Well, good morning, Living Waters. Man, good to see you guys. Um, I'm getting emotional over here, worshiping Jesus, because I just, I, I just do that I, on the normal, you know? And uh, to be back here behind the pulpit preaching, it's, man, it's hard to describe just... Good night. I, I said, don't cry, Josh. Don't cry. Don't do that. Um, just how much I love the Lord, and that's all his grace, and just how much I love you as a church. It's, uh, man, I mean, it, it has been an amazing thing. Sabbatical has been beyond what I can describe as far as rest as far as restoration, um, time with Danielle and the girls, and I just want to say thank you um, to you guys for allowing us to do that. It was just a, it was a massive blessing to us, and we just, we just thank God for, for you and just for giving us that time. So um, I also want to say thank you. It's just been amazing to me to watch the evidences of God's grace at work in so many people as we were gone. You know, we'd watch the YouTube sermons and we'd just be like, oh my goodness, what a great sermon. And then, the, and then another great sermon and another good sermon and another great thing that God is doing. And then watching uh, VBS week and watching so many people do so many things in our, in our men's ministry last night, I just hearing the testimonies and marveling at God's good and wonderful grace. It's just so good, right? Church, isn't God so awesome? So he's just so good, and I thank God. Yeah, you can clap. That's cool. It's, it's God's so good. So um, as we get into the Word, we'll see if I can do this thing called preaching anymore. I don't know. It's been a bit, okay? It's been a, it's been a few weeks, like eight in a row. So uh, any preaching, miscues, or mistakes, cover it in grace this week, cr- criticize me next week, okay? Um, but God is so faithful. We are in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 16 together. Uh, Philippians 3, 1 through 16, continuing our sermon series in this little letter from Paul to the Philippian church. Starting in verse 1, hear the word of God. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble for me. It is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone else thinks that he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, But whatever gain I had, I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that is dependent on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the upward prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, so good. Thank you for this church, such a great work of grace you're doing here. Lord, we want to get out of the way so Jesus can take center stage, so he can be seen and known and enjoyed and loved. Thank you for Hank and his testimony of salvation. Thank you for his baptism. What an encouragement that is to our souls. Lord, may you build up your church through the word of God now. May the truth of scripture come down on us and may the spirit of God illuminate our minds to understand it and do great things in Christ's name, amen. Well, this passage in Philippians 3 is beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like all Bible passages are, it's like a diamond that you hold up in the the sun, and, and the more you spin the diamond around, the more you can see the different refractions and the beauty of the colors and things like that. That is the Bible all the time. Amen? That's the Bible all the time. And if you spin it in, in a lot of ways, there's all these transformational layers and there's all these beautiful truths and, and, and different angles of truth. And every time you read the Bible, especially Philippians 3, you should be in awe of this passage of Scripture. Here's a quick word for your Bible reading. Bible reading should never be boring. Can I get a witness? Never. I don't care if you're in Leviticus. Can I get a Leviticus? Amen. I don't care. It should never be boring. And if it is boring, that is a commentary about you. More than that is a commentary on the scriptures. You having a hard time with your Bible reading? Look straight in the mirror and say, God, I'm looking at the main problem of my Bible reading. Change me so that I can see the truth. Right? This is an amazing passage. As we've studied this passage in Philippians this week, I've been struck with the analogy of pathways. Pathways. Those of you who have been on a hike understand this. So the sermon title is Staying on the Right 
path. Staying on the right path. And the Bible talks a lot about pathways. If you have hiked for any number of times, you know that it, sometimes it's easy to hike and sometimes it's hard to hike. We did a lot of hiking in Utah. We've done a lot of hiking in the past. I love hiking. It's amazing. Some paths of hiking are easy. Some paths are really, really hard. Like when you're doing the walkie pakaa, like, path in Hawaii and you're trying to get back to this amazing waterfall and it is so hard that you're like, maybe we should turn back. And you don't because God is good. It's hard. Sometimes you're on the right path. Sometimes you're not. And is there anything worse than when you're hiking when you get on the wrong path? Oh, it drives me crazy when I get on the wrong path. Because I got on the wrong path in Northeast Iowa as I was hiking 10 miles a day. Cost me an extra mile and a half. Stink, right? And I can talk to God about it and yell about it in the woods. Nobody cares, right? Except for Jesus. He's laughing at me and saying, I'm here to cultivate your soul, Josh, to be more patient and to be more wise. But Paul gives us a sense of this analogy of pathways in verses 12 through 14. He gives an analogy of walking on a path. Verses 12 says this, but I press on to make it my own. Get the feeling of the pathway there? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what is ahead. You can almost see the hiker You can almost see yourself hiking here, straining forward towards the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And the Bible is filled with this analogy of pathways, more in the Old Testament than the New Testament. But you are going to look through your Bible, and if you search out path or pathways on your search, you're going to find an immense amount of verses about the path of Life, path of God, being on the right path, being on the wrong path. And you'll discover as you read through scripture, there are good pathways to be on and there are bad pathways to be on. Can I get a witness? There's good pathways, there's bad pathways, and the Bible talks about both. So the good pathways lead to eternal life and heaven. Psalm 16, verse 11, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 23, verse 3, right? You have this passage that says, he leads me down what? Paths of righteousness. For who? For his name's sake. That's cool. Psalm 25, in my devotions yesterday morning, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. How about Proverbs 3, 6, a sermon that was preached earlier this summer. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your what? Your paths. How about John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 3? He comes declaring Jesus and he says, hey, let's make, prepare the way of the Lord and let's make his paths straight. Have you ever read these before? Amazing. There's also bad pathways, pathways that lead to spiritual death and hell Proverbs 2.13, evil men forsake the path of the upright and they walk in the ways or the paths of darkness. 
The way of peace, Isaiah 59. They have not known and there is no justice in the evil person's pathways or paths. Proverbs 7.25. Young man, do not let your heart turn aside to the adulterous woman's ways and don't stray onto her paths. Proverbs 5.5, 5, there is a path to hell, literally. So there's good pathways and bad pathways. And, and the Apostle Paul is talking to us in Philippians 3, and he is literally wanting us to know, he's wanting the Philippian church to know and us to know that the gospel calls Christians to the pathway of Jesus and away from the pathway of the flesh. This morning, you have a choice. You can choose the pathway of Christ this morning, or you can choose the pathway of hell and damnation, or the the pathway of the flesh. And Paul is pleading through this text for you to choose the right path. Now, we are all born, and we start walking down a path called our life journey. Everybody's on a journey, right? Teenagers, you're on a journey. Young adults, you're on a journey. Young marrieds, you're on a journey without a lot of sleep. Amen. That's you. Middle-aged people, you're on a journey. Older people, you're on a journey. We're all on a journey. We're on a path. And because of our sin nature, our path naturally is going to be the path of the flesh. Naturally. Like we just do that. We naturally go towards the path of hell. We naturally go towards the path of damnation. We naturally go that way. And so regarding the pathway of Jesus, Jesus steps into the world and he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I'm the path. I'm the path. Get off this pathway of the flesh and come onto the pathway of me, Jesus. And so when he gives us two pathways here, there are two paths on anybody's journey. And the reality of what we're seeing in scripture is that these two pathways oppose one another very much. This morning in your life, you can choose a pathway of the flesh. And that is very much opposed to the pathway of Jesus. Or you can choose the pathway of Jesus, which is also very opposed to the pathway of the flesh. I don't know which pathway you're on this morning. I am pleading with you to listen to this text of scripture to choose the pathway of Christ by God's grace. Now, the Apostle Paul is telling us about the pathway of Christ, but before he gets into the two pathways, he's telling us, first of all, a warning. And that is verse one through three. Beware, there is danger ahead. All right, so that's the first thought and idea from Paul in verses one through three. Beware, there's danger ahead. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me. It's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, Paul starts this in verse one by saying, finally, finally. He doesn't mean that. He's a preacher. Look at this guy. He says, finally, two more chapters, bro. Two more. You don't even mean that. And then he says, look out. Now, he does mean this. Look out. Beware. Look with your eyes. Open up your eyes to see there are dangerous folks around you. 
There are dogs and evildoers and mutilators of the flesh. These are bad news people on a bad path trying to get you to get on the bad path with them. That's what he's warning about. The Philippian church has come to know Christ and Paul's like, hey, as you keep growing in Christ, you're one of my favorite churches. I love you guys. Beware. There are people coming your way into your church, into your community that are people of the flesh. They are dogs. They are evildoers. They are mutilators of the flesh. And you're like, dogs? What, I mean, what does that mean? Dogs were not nice back then like dogs are today, not domesticated. You go to South America on a mission trip someday, you'll figure this out. On the streets of Lima, Peru, and in Manchai, and some of the townships, we had to carry rocks with us all the time. And we call them antiperros, all right? Against dogs, right? That's what it means. You know, like Cole Albright would always ask me, do you have your antiperros? And I'm like, yes, sir, I do. And I can't wait to use it. Let's go. Because the dogs are mean, man. Those dogs are mean. So we're not like American dog. Think like a worldly dog, okay? Think like that. And these fleshly people, evildoers, dogs, I mean, vicious opponents, of Christianity and of Christ, they were looking to attack the Philippian church, distract the Philippian church, and require things of the Philippian church that would get them off the path of Jesus and onto the path of the flesh. And by the way, false teachers and false Christianity always want to do this still today. How do you spot a false teacher? How do you spot false doctrine in your life? How do you spot false Christianity? They will attack you straight on, demand a lot of you, require things of you, and they will distract you from Jesus. That's how you spot it. So if any of those things are true, you might have a false teacher or a false label of Christianity at work in your midst, and you got to watch out because they're attacking, distracting, and they're requiring so Paul says, in contrast, watch out for those people, but in contrast, we are the circumcision. Do you see that? We are the circumcision that worship in the spirit, glory in Christ, and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul contrasts the fleshly people with those people who are genuine Christians. And he says, look, we are different. Christians are different than religion. Amen? Amen. I just shared Jesus with a, a young guy here last night after the men's thing. And I'm like, hey, man, it's all about Christ, not about church. It's all about Christ, not about religion. It's all about Jesus. And it was a divine moment for him and for me to talk about the gospel just last night. And I can tell you right now, Paul is saying, look, we are Christians. Christianity is different. We believe in Christ. We worship by the Spirit. What does that mean? It means we engage in worship that is driven by the Holy Spirit of God. I don't care if you raise your hands or not. I, I, I care that you sing with your heart. Amen? I, I don't care if you like know 80 million things about the Bible or you know two things about the Bible. I don't really care. I want your worship to be like this, driven by the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved by Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside you to guide you where you need to go. Can I get a witness and an amen? Yeah, that's good. We glory in Christ. That means to have joy and boasting in Christ alone. 
It means Jesus is the hero of every story that you tell. It means Christ is your obsession. Christ is what you want. Jesus is the the heartbeat of your mind because you're always thinking about Jesus. Christianity is not all the other things. It is mainly glorying in Christ and saying, if it weren't for Jesus, I would be going to hell. If it weren't for Jesus, my life would be a wreck. And then he says, and we put no confidence in the flesh. We put no stock in ourself or in our works. True Christianity doesn't look to self. True Christianity looks outside of self and says, I actually don't have any resources whatsoever. All I have is weakness. All I have is fear. All I have is nothing in my flesh. But Jesus He brings the power of salvation into my life. He brings this ability for me to do things that in my flesh I would never be able to do. That is the beauty of Christianity. So Paul's warning is to watch out. There's two paths. They're opposed to each other. And he said, just be aware of which path you're on. And it's so important that you're on the right one. So, if All you have to do is live long enough and you will see these two paths clearly displayed in your life. So what's the big accomplishment for you to see and recognize the two pathways? All you got to do is live long enough. Amen. Isn't that good? What's the big accomplishment that I have to get done? Just survive in the world long enough and you'll see two pathways very clearly develop in your mind and in your life. The two pathways are this light versus darkness Good versus evil, the flesh versus Jesus. There's two paths. Let's get into pathway number one so you can see and know it. Pathway number one is the path of the flesh. And Paul talks about this in verses four through six. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, Tyre of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, zealous, persecutor of the church, blameless under the law. So Paul basically takes up these people, these fleshly people, and he brings them up as an example. And he says, okay, they want to they mess with you, Philippian church. Let's just examine what's going on in their lives, the characteristics of who these dogs are. And he says that the pathway of the flesh is embraced by people who have these characteristics in their life. And Paul said, and as I lay these out, I have more qualifications according to the flesh than any of these evildoers. And so he lists out six characteristics of the pathway of the flesh. And they are this, they are your family pedigree, your religious activity, your knowledge and education, your outward obedience, your reputation, and your pride. I want to hit these really quick. So Paul is saying that these, these pathway of the flesh people, they have pride in their family pedigree. We are of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin. Now, these individuals said, don't you know who my dad is? Don't you know who my mom is? Don't you know? They show up to church services. They show up to small groups. They say, oh yeah, that's a really good story. Can I one-up you really quick? You want to know about my family, how awesome they are? connects me to Christianity. I bet you I'm pretty much a Christian because my grandparents were awesome and my parents were awesome and my uncle was awesome and my aunt was awesome and everybody's just like, I'm gonna puke if you talk about your family anymore. Because there is this family pedigree in religion that goes on where it's just like, well, I know the right people and I'm part of the right thing. 
There's also religious activity. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm morally upright. Look at all my activity. Look how good I am. Look at all the things I'm doing. What about your knowledge and your education? In verse 5, Paul said, you know, a Pharisee. It was one of the pathways of the flesh is a Pharisee. And what that means is that you're really smart. You read books. You know a lot of things. Congratulations. You're a nerd. Awesome. Knowledge can be such a stumbling block to the gospel. You outsmart yourself because you think you got to know all these things and you think you got to know more than everybody else and you think that your knowledge is going to get you to heaven. And then you say, if you don't know all these things like I know all these things, then you're not good enough. You're probably not going to go to heaven because your knowledge doesn't come up with my knowledge. And in the first century, they were having a problem with Gnosticism, which is secret knowledge. There's a secret knowledge about Jesus. And it's those very things that mark the pathway of the flesh. You boast about what you know. Then there's outward obedience to God. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul was saying, hey, you know, I was a passionate, zealous follower of the law. So are these enemies of the cross. And they, they're full of zeal, which basically means I don't break the rules. I actually enforce the rules. That kind of person. The law follower who's always given everybody else a hard time about what they're not doing and they're finding pride in their own ability to enforce the law of God on your life. And Paul is saying that is the pathway of the flesh. If it's not connected to Jesus, that is the pathway of the flesh because when does that stop? It's, it's absolutely burdensome to have somebody like that in your life who's always telling you what you're doing wrong. And for some of you, that's your mom and dad. That's your story for some of you. Like, we're just, I can never do anything right. Dad and mom are always on my case and just, ugh. Your reputation. Paul said, I was a persecutor of the church. I serve God. My reputation was awesome. Look at everything I do for the Jewish faith. And as, it, as to the, the fulfillment of the law, you're full of pride. You're blameless. Paul was saying, I measure up perfectly to God's law. The pathway of the flesh, listen to me very carefully, the pathway of the flesh can be outwardly measured because it's very horizontal. You're just, you're just making the impressions for, for men and women. And that is a very dangerous pathway to go down because when all you're concerned about is what other people think about you and what is outwardly there, you are on the wrong path. And that path leads to very dangerous places. Now, this can be churchy, right? This, this pathway of the flesh can be really churchy. Church attendance, ministry, leadership, clock in, clock out. Let's do this. I'm doing my duty. I'm showing up. I'm serving in this ministry. I do my stuff. It can be really churchy, and you could be on the completely wrong path, headed to hell. Or it can be really secular, where you have leadership and sacrifice in the community, and you've done all these things, and you sponsor the, the, the clubs, and you do the sports stuff, and you, you're doing all the good things in the community, and you're like, look at me, look how awesome I am, or look how much I'm giving to this organization publicly. And that's a secular way to get on the wrong path, because you're leaning on that 
to make you right with God and you're gonna die and go to hell underneath the wrath of Almighty God. It's not works that get you to heaven. You cannot earn heaven by your own merits and your own works, but there will be so many people in this world who will come to you and tell you that you need to just shape up morally in order to get to heaven. So many people on this earth will tell you, you got to earn it. You got to get there. You got to do better. You got to fulfill this requirement. You got to be righteous. You got to do righteous things. And if you do all that, everybody will love you both personally and on social media. Praise God. Everyone will say yes to you. And you'll get a little puffy. You'll get a little proud. And you will get on the path that leads to judgment, damnation, and wrath. And Paul is saying, please don't go on that path. Please don't be tempted by that path. It's the pathway of the flesh. The second pathway is the pathway of Jesus. The pathway of Jesus, and it says in verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I, I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Contrary to the path of the flesh, the path of Jesus involves turning away from the old path, having nothing to do with the old path anymore, and getting on path with Christ and being obsessed with Jesus. The path of Jesus involves embracing a whole new mindset. You got to take on a whole new mindset if you're going to go to heaven, okay? If you're going to make it to heaven, you have to take on a whole new mindset. You have to put aside your, your family pedigree, all your religious activity, all your knowledge, all your education, all your outward obedience, your reputation, and your pride. You put it all aside and you put it away. And you declare that that is rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. Now, I think the word rubbish is hilarious. Right? Rubbish. Very England, isn't it? Oh, got to be with a rubbish there. You know, put it there. And sometimes we read the English version. We're like, oh, he considers all that stuff rubbish. You know, just put it in the trash. We better rubbish over there. You know, mind the gap. <sighs> Let's translate that word to what it actually means. Dung. Or if you're in Iowa, cow pie. Or just straight up poop, man. Poop. That is this word. It's a very vulgar word. It is, a, it is an unbelievably disdaining word. All right? It makes you think about nastiness. Airplane bathrooms and such. And Paul says this. He says, in a sense, to get away from the path of the flesh and get on path with Jesus, I have to consider all of what I used to think was valuable and amazing and meriting me favor with God, and I need to treat it as poop in comparison to Jesus and knowing him and loving him, and I would consider everything that I used to think was awesome. It's all poop compared to Christ. All right? I told you the sermon would be fun. Now, there's two senses in which we turn away from the path of the flesh. One is when you get saved. 
When you get saved by Jesus, you leave your old life behind. Amen? That's what you do. When you really get saved by Christ, you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is a requirement of being saved. So when you do that, when you get saved, you, in a sense, put the pathway of the flesh over here. You get on path with Christ and you go with Jesus. But also in sanctification, the ongoing process of becoming more like Christ, all right, the apostle Paul said, In verse 8, he uses the present tense, count. He says, indeed, I count, present tense, everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So Paul said, it's not just that salvation, I counted all things as loss. He says, even now, I count all things as loss. Because once you get on the path with Jesus, it is not rainbows and butterflies the whole time. Can I get a witness? When you get on the path with Christ, your sanctification process is a continual turning away from the old path. Because the old path is going to come and talk to you all the time. Hey, come back, man. Just get back on path with me. Didn't we have such a good thing together? Isn't this going to be a good thing to go down this path again? You remember this path. It was a beautiful path. You love this path. Come on this path. Sanctification and growth in Christ is saying no No, 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 Christ is better, Christ is better, Christ is better. So if you're a believer, I just want to encourage you. It's not just a one-time decision when you get saved that you say no and yes, no to sin and yes to Jesus. You best be saying that every day of your life until you go meet Christ face to face. I just want to encourage you, say no. For some of you believers, you got things coming up in your life right now, like ASAP, right now that are tempting you to get back on that old path. And I just plead with you, say no. By the power of the Holy Spirit, stay on path with Christ. He's better, he's more satisfying, he's brighter, he's he's more beautiful than anything you could ever pursue in this world. Finally, I I gotta get moving here. You got used to all these short sermons all summer. On the pathway to Jesus, we're moving on up. That's the last thing that Paul says, verses 12 through 16. When you get on pathway with Jesus, we're moving on up. Verse 12 says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I, don't, I haven't made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul finishes the passage with a flurry of inspirational images. The path of Jesus, when you get on it, there's work to do. Can I get a witness? When you get on path with Christ, there is work to do. There are places to go. There's amazing activity to be had. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. And I could preach a whole sermon on forgetting what lies behind. Did you know that one of the most important realities of you coming to know Christ is him empowering you to forget your past and to move forward 
Some of you are stuck looking at your past so much that you're paralyzed in the present and you got no vision for your future because you're looking back all the time. And in Christ, Jesus forgives all your sins and says, hey, look at me. You don't have to think about your past anymore. It's paid for with blood. Look forward. And then the word straining forward is this stretching out. It's this athletic term where you are stretching out all of your muscle capacities to finish the race or to finish the path. That is the idea. Your Christian life should be one of great effort. You got to strain for it. You can't be lazy. You got to get after it. Jesus is calling you to something greater and something higher Something eternal. You got to strain forward. You got to press on. And the word press on means to run swiftly. You got to run so hard. Pump your spiritual legs and get down the path. That's what Jesus is calling us to. This is not boring. This is amazing. Why run, Paul? Why run? Why go down the path of Jesus and run so hard, straining and doing all the stretching? Why do that? What's at the end? A leprechaun and a pot of gold? Is that the end? Is that why we're straining as Christians? No. No. Are we straining for marshmallows in our cereal? No. We strain forward for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is Jesus himself to go to heaven. We're on a road to heaven. That is where we are going. That's why we strain. That's why we press on. That's why we endure so much evil and, 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 and all the temptations of the old path. We endure all of it so that we can see Jesus face to face. And he can look at us and he can say, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. You'll be faithful in much. Come and enter into the joy of your master. The upward call. My father has many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. The upward call to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as we close, which pathway are you on this morning? And Brandon, I'll just close it. I'll just close it here. Yep. Which pathway are you on this morning? Pathway of the flesh or the pathway of Christ? For some of you, you're believers and you've slipped onto some of the pathway of the flesh and you need to get right with God even this morning. Get on the right path. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.26, ponder the path of your feet. Think about where you're going. And if you're saved, you're on pathway with Jesus. And I know for some of you, you just got on the pathway with Jesus like recently. Like this week, like last week, like this last month, and you are like a new Christian. You're a new believer. You're on path with Jesus. And if I can just encourage you as a pastor, as a Christian, just say, stay on the path. Keep going. Keep going. Keep running. Jesus is better than anything you're going to find on this earth. The pathway of Jesus is much more satisfying than any other path. 
And by God's grace, we'll be a church that strenuously moves to that end. Let's close our our time in a word of prayer. Actually, stand up, and then we'll close together. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your word. Lord, two pathways opposed to each other, evil versus good, darkness versus light. Jesus, for everybody who is saved in this room, thank you for rescuing us from the path of the flesh. Thank you for rescuing us from hell and damnation and wrath. Thank you. And oh God, would you empower every Christian in this room to strain forward on the path of Christ. Lord, no doubt there's, there's some Christians here who have not been straining, they're not pushing, and they're considering getting off the path of Jesus altogether. And Lord, I pray that you would, right now, Holy Spirit, speak to them, encourage them, and move them back onto the path of Christ to run and finish the race, to finish the path. That, that moment when we see you face to face. God, that's what we're living for. That is the big idea. Is just when we die, that moment we die, we stand in your presence. God, that's what it's all for. Give us grace to not give up right now. Help us to keep marching down the path of Christ. And Lord, if there's one person here who's not saved or lost in their sin and Lord, has not yet crossed over from the flesh to Jesus, from darkness to light. Would you just move in their heart right now to consider the claims of Christ and to give their heart to Jesus Christ this morning? Thank you, God, for meeting with us this morning. God, what a special thing you're doing at Living Waters. We rejoice and we dismiss our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you. You're dismissed.